everybody out there. Welcome back. This is Vince Papali along with my daughter, Gabriella, and it's another episode of Gabbing with Invincible. And man, did we have a guest with the NFL season starting. Who better from the NFL Network and NFL Films? Brian Baldinger. I mean, this guy has been all over the NFL, just came back uh, to NFL Films headquarters from the Jets training camp. So can't wait to talk about that. But welcome to the show, Brian. Great to have you with us. Good to see you. You look great. I mean, I feel like, you know, we were neighbors forever, Vince, when you were living in Cherry Hill. I remember Gabby when she was just like, uh, she could barely walk, you know, so I feel like I've been around the family, uh, Vinny, the whole group for quite a while. Yeah, I know, you know, and then of course, uh, you, you won't, where did you go to high school? Did you go to, you didn't go to high school in Cherry Hill, did you? No, I didn't, but I did live in Cherry Hill when I was young. My dad worked at Boeing okay. uh, over in Philadelphia when I was like, I went to St. Peter Celestine right on, uh, oh, really? Yeah, right. You know, just right there in Cherry Hill. So, but I, but I went to high school in Long Island, Massapequa, uh-huh. uh, Massapequa, yeah. Long Island, Massapequa High School. So, yeah, me and my brothers, we all graduated from there. Yeah, he moves around a little bit, huh? Yeah. Well, my dad was a service guy, so you know, oh, Naval cool. Academy, Marines, you know, oh, some military. So, that's so. The connection with the Naval Academy. There you yeah. go. Yeah, we oh, did. Have to tell us all about that. Just that Boeing thing. That's what my neighborhood was. That's where I yep. grew up. My dad worked right next door at Westinghouse. Yep. Well, if you just go down 95, Vince, you know, you see all those, those yeah. companies that were there at that time. <laughs> you see a lot of things when you go down 95. We're down here in Jupiter, Florida, so uh, we get it. So, hey, let's get to it. This is going to be a lot of fun and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about, I guess, right now, Gav, should we go uh, Should we go up to the Jets training camp with Brian? And, yeah. and what's going on specifically, I mean, who would care about a Jets training camp? But there's that one personality there that has changed the whole dynamic. And of course, it's Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, what's what's it like up there now? It must be insane. It's a it's an incredible buzz. It really is. I've been up there twice now since camp started. Of course, they're the focus of Hard Knocks this year. So, I'm here at NFL Films. All my guys I know, uh, cameramen, producers, they're all up there, literally, twenty four seven with the Jets. They got their cameras and mics everywhere. But really, I mean, Aaron, he changes everything. You know, they, they were seven and four last year at one point, Vince, the quarterback play got terrible. A lot of injuries took place and they collapsed. They lost their last six games in a row. And so they made the investment in Aaron. And really, I think it surprises people, honestly, Vince uh, and Gabby, because he literally has gone out of his way to meet everybody in the organization, whether it's secretaries, people in the travel department, people in, you know, sales. I mean, he's, he's literally shook hands, spent time talking to everybody. Uh, everybody I know on their communications and their media team, he knows them all by first name. Um, he, and then just and, and not to mention the players who he seems to have really bonded with mm-hmm. and uh, every player, whether it was Quinn Williams or Sauce Gardner or, uh, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson. I mean, all of their young players uh, have said just how much he's kind of reached out to them to get to know them mm-hmm. and uh, let them know that, you know, he's. He's going to be there. He was there throughout the, the offseason, every practice, every day. And he's like, he's giving these tutorials out there in the field after almost every play. Well, he can certainly do that. I mean, he, he's on the verge of being one of the goats anyway out there. Gabriella could probably talk a little bit about that relationship, Gabby, with your experience with the 76ers. Well, no, I mean, I'm just a little bit shocked because I feel like the media kind of makes him out to be this bad guy and that he's not a team guy at all. And so to hear that he's gone out of his way to go and meet every single staffer, like from bottom up, I think that 
actually speaks volumes to him. And it also kind of talk like shows a little bit about that the media doesn't really necessarily know what the heck they're talking about because he seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think he's got a lot to prove, Gabby. And oh, so, yeah. uh, you know, you leave Green Bay and maybe not the best of terms and people were saying, you know, I mean, there was a schism in there between him and certain people. Uh, you know, it's not yeah. worth going into, but I mean, I think like his success in New York is his way of showing Green Bay, like you're never gonna, you know, I mean, it's just it's an ego, there's an ego there, but yeah. there's also uh, his legacy. It's all tied to this. We we have seen Matt Stafford leave Detroit, go to the Rams, win a Super Bowl. We saw Tom Brady leave his legacy in New England and go to Tampa and win a Super Bowl. I mean, he has watched all of this. And so, I mean, I think that's what he wants to do. He wants to show people that he has the ability to elevate everybody around him. And that's sort of the, the really the mantle of what a marquee and a franchise quarterback should do. And I think he's out to show people that he can do that. Yeah, maybe he's like an opposite thing where he did something completely different in Green Bay. He's like, all right, let's turn around and do the opposite, see how it works out. But have you seen like the team really rally behind him and the fans? Like, have the fans been at the training camps? Do they keep them open? Like, what's that been like? It was a zoo out there today, Gab. It was great. I mean, they, they, you know, the fans were, you know, Jet fans, they're, they're pretty starved the way we used to be, Vince, you know, before 2017. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty starved. You know, it's been well over 50 years, it's documented. I mean, they were pouring in the practice started at 1030 fans were walking to the facility at 830 this morning when I was pulling up. Um, there's 3000 people out there pulling for Aaron. Uh, he made a number of throws today like he did the other day, where you just go not many guys can make this throw that's ever played the game. Um, and he just knows where to go with the ball. He knows the offense, uh, the offense coordinators, Nathaniel Hackett, they spent three years together in Green Bay. They're really uh, united together but the fans they got the eight jerseys on you know the players they oh, really number, they, huh? cool. they, they, they go out of the way to tell you just the little things that he's teaching the defensive line little things he's telling the defensive backs what mm -hmm. to look for trends um you know just just the things you just get from being you know in the league for 18 years like he's sharing that information where he thinks it can really help not that he's like doing the coach's jobs he's not doing that but he's just giving he's sharing his wisdom and his presence with all the players well you know when he gets up there at the line of scrimmage and he's got that pre-snap look i mean there's no there's probably nothing that he's seen over there that he hasn't seen before you know and and if he can teach that as you know about anything if you have situational awareness you know the keenness of what's going on and that ability to have that and also the connection especially with your receivers so that you're reading the same thing at the same time. You don't have to have a verbal communication. You know, the site adjustments. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I'm, I'm, you know, that's one green team that I'll be following this year, the Jets. Uh, I've always sort of liked them, you know, but, uh, you, you know. You felt bad for them. Yeah. Well, let, me just, let, me, <laughs> let me just throw one stat at the Papalis here, okay? Um, uh, the Jets have never beaten the Eagles, Vince. Really? They're 0 for 12. They've never the beaten the Eagles. They play them this year. Are we so, going to have a new uh, New York rival? We, well, I'm just saying, like, you know, maybe the Jets. Uh, I'm, I'm sure certain people in the I'm sure a lot of these players don't know. But I'm sure certain people in the organization, including the owner, Woody Johnson, uh, might revel in that fact. Maybe, you know, it's about time we turn that around. Well, my four years with the Burroughs, we played the Jets once in a regular season game and Wilbur Montgomery uh, ran a, uh, a kickoff back for a touchdown, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't, uh, they didn't beat us then. 
well, why don't we, uh, why don't we do this? Let's go back a little bit in time okay. you know, and, and talk about you. And, you know, and uh, you left your Cherry Hill and we were, we were sort of neighbors over there in the Cherry Hill area. And, uh, you know, Vinny was playing his football, but I, I understand that, you know, when you were, when you get in high school, you, you know, you've done more than just football, you know, track guy and basketball. Which what what of all those three sports you participated in? What was the one that you really thought about the most and wanted to excel in? And who were you rooting for back then? Uh, well, I was born in Pittsburgh, Vince, and my yeah. dad and mom were both from Pittsburgh. So growing up, you know, I was a Steeler fan. Um, you know, it just so happened, you know, when I start fell in love with football, the Steelers were the team to beat uh, in the seventies. They turned things around. So Chuck Knoll, Jerry Bradshaw. I mean, I knew all those guys. But I also lived in Minnesota for a while. I was a vendor for the Vikings. So I knew Fran Tarkenton and vendor. Chuck Foreman and all those guys. So I was a fan of the game. I, I loved Johnny Unitas. Johnny was from Pittsburgh, Western PA. You know, I loved the Colts growing up. I loved Johnny Unitas. He was my favorite player. Um, so, I, you know, I had a kind of variety of teams. But growing up, like, I played basketball. That was my first love, Vince, honestly. Like, I, I loved basketball. We won a Long Island championship when I'll I was in high school. What's that? How tall were you back then? I, you know, I, I, I stopped growing at 6'4", but I was skinny. I was 180 pounds, you know, I, just a you know, drink of water. But I, yeah, I mean, I, but basketball, that's what we all did in New York. We uh -huh. all got in shape for football, playing basketball. We played summer league every, you know, all throughout the summer. We hit Ooh. the courts at night. I mean, we, uh -huh. but, you know, it did take long before I realized that there weren't going to be a whole lot of scholarships coming my way playing basketball. Not like there was playing football, so you yeah, know, I you just had, had it. Yeah, but yet you were you were play, If I heard it correctly, I read it correctly. Uh, you were a track guy too, right? Yeah, I ran track. I mean, they told me if you want to play football, if you want to compete in basketball, you got to get faster. So, track coach convinced me to go out. I played. I you know I did the high jump, the half mile. I did some things. I was going to say the half mile. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, I mean, wasn't I wasn't very good, Vince? But you know, I ran it. You know. You were just uh, out there for participation. I was just out there, Gabby. I was yeah. trying to <laughs> my sprints every day. I was trying to get faster. Like, yeah. I don't know how much it helped, but, you know. Uh, but it helped. seems to have helped a little bit. You had a pretty solid career uh, after yeah. that. I mean, it, yeah. you did get into the yeah. NFL, you know, so that might have something to do with it. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure they noticed your speed. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry, Gab. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was. I mean, I was just kind of jumping on in there yeah. I, had no, you know, I wasn't really going anywhere great with that but you did mention that you were at uh well I know that you went to Naval Academy for a hot minute and so but <laughs> didn't know why and so it obviously it stems from your dad's background so you went in and then what happened well so you know my dad was an uh, all-american at the Naval Academy and all I heard growing up was the Naval Academy yeah uh and how great it was and how good it was for him and so I did I was the oldest boy oldest of three boys so um, I was sort of kind of told at an early age, just where you're going. And I literally, Gabby, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you love your father, but sometimes you have to go against your dad. And I, I went down there. Preaching the choir. You know, like, I lasted, <laughs> close your ears, Vince. I, I lasted three days, and I just knew it wasn't for me. I just knew it. Like, there wasn't, wasn't anything against the academy. I'm all for yeah. the academy. But I felt like I, I had enough discipline in my life. Like I, I could get myself out of bed. I knew what I wanted to do. I was a good student. Like I, I felt like more discipline wasn't gonna make me any more disciplined yeah. or any better. And honestly, I even though I wasn't very talented at that age, like 
I dreamed about playing pro football when I was in high school. I just did. And I felt like, you know, if you go to the Naval Academy, I knew Roger Staubach. You know, he had to wait five years before he went to play for the Cowboys, even though the Cowboys drafted him right out of the Naval Academy. He had to wait five years. I'm like, I can't wait five years. And so I made this gut-wrenching decision, didn't make my dad happy. And so I, I, I was like, it's just not for me. I went to junior college for a year, played football, played basketball, got a scholarship to Duke out of there. Um, yeah, but I, you're all conference wide receiver when you're in junior college. I, I played junior college. You know, I played wide receiver, tight end, Vince. I was growing. I loved it. I, my junior college was the best thing that happened to me, Vince. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 in, fact, in fact, the, the junior college put a lot of NFL players in the pros, okay? Yeah. And the first year they decided, this is a big deal to me. The first year they decided that they were going to have a Hall of Fame wing at this junior college because they put like, you know, um, Olympic soccer players and All-American lacrosse players and NFL football players. They put a lot of players at the next levels. And when they had, when they decided to put their first Hall of Fame team, um, I was part of it. And yeah. so they wanted me to come back and give a speech. And I told them, I said, look, w- one thing we all shared in common going to Nassau Community College was none of us wanted to go there, but we all ended up there. You know, we all had a story. So my story was my story. Other guys, you know, it could have been grades. It could have been, you know, they things didn't work out. So they came to Nassau, and then they kind of rebuilt themselves. They went someplace else. Yeah, and cool. so, you know, they've had, I don't know, 10, 12 guys go to the NFL. they got a couple guys playing there now. Um, so it was, just, it was just a good place for me. And I was still growing and kind of figuring out, you know, position and all this stuff. And it, it led me to Duke, which was a good decision on my part. And I got the education I wanted, but it got me to the next level because I always felt like this. I felt like if you played high school football, you should try to play college football. Mm-hmm. And if you play college football, you should try to play in the NFL. Like it just, that seemed like that was just a transition everybody should want to do. Yeah. So you get to Duke, who was it? Was Bill O'Brien your head coach? Was he recruiting you then? Billy was. Billy came after, but um, I went there. Red Wilson was the head coach. He was oh, new, okay. but they brought Steve Spurrier in in my second year. Did I he make three you, years at Duke. Did, did he make you a guard in the center? Yeah, he moved me from tight end. He's like, you can't run. You're not fast <laughs> enough for my system. I could see Spurrier. I was ticked. I was ticked, Vince. I bet you like, were. I, I, I like, I like so Steve a lot. Did. I'm still very good friends with him and his kids, Steve Jr., all these guys. I mean, I know yeah. them all. But he moved me a right guard, out. Vince. Like, I thought my life ended. I went from tight end to guard. I'm like, life can't get any worse than this. How much weight did you have to put on? So, so literally, Gabby, I went to Duke. I was like a 230-pound tight end. And literally, by the time big. I moved to guard, I became I went to 260. I put on 30 pounds. That's like you know, Uncle Danny. First time I had a training table, eat as much as you want. You know, I'd go to the training table. I'd eat six pieces of blueberry pie before I'd eat dinner. Like, I grew up in a big house. You know, food went fast. I mean, I could just go, you know, we go out to a barbecue place. I'd see how much weight I could gain at one sitting, you know, so like it was just, you know, it was. How it, many it, calories did you eat out on average? This literally, yeah, we, we used to go to this one place. It was $6, all you could eat barbecue. Oh, God. It had a penny scale there. And I would try to gain seven pounds at every sitting. Like I'd, <laughs> I'd get up, I'd, I'd, I'd fill myself up. I'd get up, walk around the restaurant, come back and just eat more. Did they so, blacklist you from any of those restaurants for eating too much? 
They're they're still open, Vince. They're still open for business. <laughs> you probably would dry them out room. of their everything. <laughs> I always say room for pecan pie, you know, peach pie, whatever. So um yeah, like I, I went from two thirty to two sixty uh yeah, in, over good. the course of two years or three years. So um, you know, I did what I had to do in order to get myself ready for the next level. But it got you into the NFL. I mean, did you ever think now? So the, the draft year comes up and you get through the draft. Now that now you become one of these things called the undrafted free agent. And what was it like to get that call from the Cowboys? How'd you get there? So here's what, here, here's the other part of the story, Vince, is uh, because I went to junior college for a year, I kind of redshirted. So I came out of the year, I came out of 1982, same year as my brother, Richard, who went, who graduated from Wake Forest. So my, at that time, Vince, there was 12 rounds. And my brother got drafted by the Giants in the 10th round. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard that my brother got drafted by the Giants, I was so ticked, Vince. Like, I, I 12 rounds, you know, none of this was televised. Nobody drafted me. And the Cowboys, uh, you know, they signed, I didn't know it at the time, Vince, they signed 110 free agents. So the equipment manager came to try to sign me. And, you know, he gave me a $1,200 signing bonus. And I signed with the Cowboys. And I didn't know that. When I went to Thousand Oaks, where the Cowboys trained the summer, I didn't know there was 125 rookies. It's like a free I had no idea. tryout. <laughs> there was literally a tryout, Vince. It was. It's like a real all comer. It was. It was like you know, summer 1976 for you, Vince. It was like <laughs> oh okay, God. they just signed everybody off the street to see if they could find somebody. But you know, they they they, they kept six rookies that year. Wow. We had we were a good football team. I was one of the six, and I was the only one. Of the 110 free agents that made it. So really? I told myself when I went there, I said, look, I'm not even unpacking my bags. I'm wearing the same thing every day. And if they cut me, like I'll just, my sisters were living in Long Beach, California. I'll just hitchhike down to Long Beach with my bag, you know, and I'll just get on with my life. But they're going to have to throw me out of here. I'm not changing my, I'm wearing the same shirt every day, wearing the same shorts every day until they just get sick of me. I was like, stink. Yeah, well, I didn't care. <laughs> He's like, Wait, why yeah, do you it, think it, that it you did, made it? Did Gabby? It stunk, but I didn't care. Oh, sure, it did. Wait, so why do you think that you made it? Like, what? You, out of 110, you so, were unlikely you were going to make it. So it was, you know, I was the ultimate long shot. Yeah. But um, we we were kind of like the dummy squad, right, Vince? You know, like practice squad guys for the starters, right? Out of pride, so in that practice. Squad. I told them, put me at left guard. I want to play left guard. I want to go up against this guy, Randy White, yeah. who was the perennial defensive tackle in the league at that time. He was eight-time Pro Bowl guy. He was the best defensive tackle in football. Let me go up against the best guy every day. Like, let me just find out. Like, you know, I'm either going to get better, get my butt kicked, or I'll just get thrown. So I, I fought Randy White every day in practice. Every day. I, I didn't take anything from him. Like, I didn't take anything off him. He was always testing you. And then I was coming into a meeting room. Like about the fourth week of this stuff, we, we were just getting ready to start games. And uh, the, the defensive line coach, who's a Hall of Fame coach, uh, Ernie Stautner, he just grabbed my arm with one of his meat hook hands. And he said to me, he just said this. He said, hey, kid, they're talking about you. Oh, like, no. you know, the defensive line, they, like, they knew. They knew like this guy was a fighter. He was like a little different. And I still remember Vince, I still remember Vince like Ernie telling me that. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to keep going. You know, it's a funny thing to say that because I was going head to head with Herm Edwards back in the day. Yep. And Dick Corey was my coach and his son 
came out every day and he would tell me and he said, Vince, they're talking about you. They're talking about you. And that's all I needed. You know, and the Dick Vermeer would, so, you know, I got goose pimples because yep. it reminds yeah. me of the same thing that happened to me years ago. Yep. It, 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 like, like, it's still yeah. like I got emotional, but it still resonates with me. Like they were talking, like I was making it, like I was making them talk about me, yeah. you know? And so that was, uh, that was the moment when I thought maybe, and then, then we played, nobody, no rookies played in the first preseason game, right? Yeah, sure. So, you know, back then veterans, you know, they, they got themselves ready to play. But the second preseason game, we're playing, I'll never forget, we're playing the Chargers um, in San Diego. And um, the offense line coach told me, he said, I want, like, we have to, we'd have to, you know, we took this test, right? And you had to fill out every single, um, you know, what your assignment was on every play against every front. So I, I, I took the test. He said, I did well in the test. He goes, look, I'm putting you in. You're going to play. I didn't know that I was going to be the first rookie in the game. So they put me in there with all the stars. They're the only rookie. They took out the all-pro left guard, and they put me in his place. And I went out there, you know, and I, you know, I made a mistake right away. And, you know, I, it's like, and, you know, the, the guy that I replaced came up to me, Herb Scott, and he said, Baldy, look, he, I, I'll tell you how, what you did. Just get off. The, so he fixed my mistake, and I, I played with, I played with the, the veterans that very first game. And, like, that was kind of like the start, you know, and then it kind of kind of built and snowballed from there. That's a, you know, the, the, the parallels, because I had that same situation my rookie year against the Miami Dolphins, and coach said, you're starting tonight. Yeah. With all the other veterans. Yeah. I was, there. Carmichael was a little, he was a little banged up. Right. Uh, so Vinny, you're starting, and there you go. Yeah, yeah. All you need is just that shot, you know? You need that shot, man. You need and that to shot. know that somebody, like, that all your hard work is, at, like, it's being noticed, and then to have somebody just be like, Right. Like, were you at that point almost when you were like, what's even the point? And then like, or were, were you, no matter what, whether he said that or not, were you still going to go, you know, kind of balls to the wall? I don't care. I'm still going to keep. Fighting. No, Gabby, literally, I tried to win every single drill, like conditioning at the end. Like I, I, I tried to win every conditioning drill, you know, like I, it, I never, ever went in the training room. Like if I had, you know, my neck was like all messed up from neck burners, whatever. I just iced the neck in my room at night. Like I didn't want anybody to see me hurt. I never went in the training room except to get the ankles taped. I never really, I, I, I was just in my own bubble. Like I was on a mission and if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But I, I wanted to make sure that they, I didn't give them any reason to cut me. None. Like I didn't want them. And I'll, I'll never forget, like even, at the end, nobody really knew who was making it, not making. We finished the last preseason game on a Saturday, and everybody was going to find out on Sunday whether you made it, didn't make it. All the rookies were li living in this hotel, and I got a call from our general manager, Gil Brandt, and he calls me, and he's he's a little you know cryptic. He's like, um, "What are you doing for dinner tomorrow night?" Meaning like Monday. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't have any plans. I'm just in a hotel. And he goes, "You're not getting my drift." I go, well, what are you talking about? He goes, well, we're inviting you to dinner because you've made the team. Whoa. The rookies are going to dinner. Cool. So that's oh. the way they did it. Oh, that's so cool. Did yeah. you cry? Well, I didn't cry, but you know what I did? I was like, I was so like excited yeah. that we were staying in this hotel across the street from SMU. And I just felt like the, only, the reason why I got there is because of hard work. And literally when I got that phone call, I didn't, I didn't even call my mom and dad at that point. I literally put my sneakers on and gym shorts and sweats and I went across the street and I just did these sprints 
at SMU. <laughs> I was like, that's what got me here. Like, I'm not going to change. You know, I'm going to stay with it. So, like, I literally worked out before I even called my mom and dad to tell them that, um, you know, that I had made the Cowboys. Not that that. Yeah. Awesome. I can still feel like your emotion, your passion. And that's, uh, you know, it's, that's what awesome. I feel like you guys are, you guys are very similar and I didn't even know that. Well, no, you know what's funny? I think I'd like, I know, I remember Vince, remember when Brian Finneran was a rookie with the Eagles? Yeah, I yeah. do. I remember, and you know, he, he dropped the, you know, he dropped the pass in one game and right. they caught him. I remember I took him, like I was good friends with Brian, his wife, you know, the whole family. And I remember I felt so, I love Brian so much. And I remember when they cut him, I, Springsteen was in concert that like literally that night. I said, you're coming to concert with me, Brian. And I took him and his wife. We went to a concert and I said, you're going to play in this league a long time. I remember you worked out with them, Vince. Like I'm only, bring, only bringing that story up because I feel like we both kind of look at free agents like us, long shots like us. Even when I was at the Jets today, I'm looking at this one receiver and I'm going, I think this kid's got a chance. Like, Nobody knows anything about him. He didn't run a fast time at the combine. He wasn't drafted. Like he's down the totem pole, but there he is after practice, you know, working like for an extra half hour today. And you could just tell Aaron Rodgers likes him. You just know it. You know, I kind of feel like you look at those kind of guys the same way. Well, Brian, uh, Brian's kids went to the same, the same preschool that Gabrielle went to and, and our son Vinny, you know, oh, okay. it's in the dream. And uh, so after he got cut, we felt so bad. So actually, he started he started working with us in our in our real estate construction team. Okay. And every day, I, I made him work out. And and then you know just and he eventually got through it. And he goes out to Atlanta, and he and he connects with Atlanta. And you know, look at him now. It's just a beautiful thing. You know, that's a great thing. People make an impact on your life. So so the Cowboys now now you're moving on to the Colts. You got the Bills. You got the Eagles. And and uh, did you unpack your bags for any of those teams or, you know, and what, what happened with the Cowboys? Yeah, well, uh, I got hurt. You know, our, our, the, the Cowboys, like in the late 80s, we were kind of like on a downward spiral. We weren't drafting well. And, you know, um, anyways, it, I had gotten hurt in 1987, missed some time, had a knee operation. Ooh. And it was the year of the strike, Vince. Oh. So it was just an odd year in Dallas. And so literally um, – I remember, I'll never forget, I was on a trip with my brother and some friends. We were like literally in like Thailand. And I find out that the Cowboys aren't going to bring me back and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there wasn't cell phone service or anything like that. So, I'm, you know, so I, 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 I called Tom Landry's secretary and I just said, I didn't want to just be released. Like I wanted, I wanted uh, to reach across the desk and thank Tom Landry for giving me an opportunity. And I, so I remember I was in like Hong Kong. I had a suit made. I go out, this is suit just for coach Landry. Like, I just want him to know that the six years I just spent were the best six years of my life. And that whether I play any more football or I I'm done, like, I just wanted to thank him for the opportunity. So I did, I got a meeting with coach Landry and he was always like a little standoffish to players, but he gave me two hours, man. We, I had a great conversation with him and I just felt like, okay, this is how whenever I get released or I, a company is not going to bring me back, this is how I want to do it. I want to like reach across the desk and just thank them for the opportunity. And so everywhere I went, like I, I went to Buffalo and like I went to Indianapolis. I started four years. Things didn't work out the next year. I went to Buffalo. Marv Levy had to cut me. I remember going, Marv, 
Like you're a coach, you're in your Super Bowl run right here. I just hope you get back and win one. And well, wasn't your brother Gary there? Yeah, my brother. Wanted, that's why I went to Buffalo. My brother was there. I wanted to play with my brother. He was a defense alignment for him. He went to a, I don't know, two or three Super Bowls with the Bills. They didn't win them, but he was so he was cool. backing up Bruce Smith and all these defense alignment yeah. there. So it didn't work out, but it you know getting released by Buffalo got me to Philly, and so you know I, I ended up playing my last three years with the Eagles. Yeah, Best city ever. Yeah. Kind of like the hometown. Wait, so I have a question though, because I saw something about when you were with the Indy, like with the Colts, they said you were like the lightest offensive lineman on the team. What was light? I walked in. So I, I, I had a choice, Gabby. I could have signed right before camp with either Indianapolis or Houston. Jerry Glanville was coaching Houston. I saw him down there. I went and visited. It was literally 110 degrees in Houston. It was like unbearable. And I saw it just in, in just, like mini camp, the way that he was working, I was like, "Dude, you're gonna kill us, man!" Yeah. And that's what Jerry did. And I went to India. Ron Meyer was a coach there, but I walked in like the week before the start of training camp, and I looked at their offensive line. They're all lifting weights. They didn't have any guy under 310 pounds. Like they were just the biggest group of people oh. I ever saw. And I was like, "All right, well, I got you know, I got some catching up to do." I was like maybe 280 at the time, 285. But I, I, had, you know, I could play a lot of different positions. But like I, I was like, okay, I got to get a little bigger here to play in this team. I knew that. What was so, the biggest you got to then? I, I remember I, when I was in Philly, I got up to three hundred two one year. Um, yeah, so that was the most. But I didn't really play it. I, I played at around two ninety, two ninety five, which seemed like a good weight for me. Did you feel like you came home because you'd spent so many years of your life in Cherry Hill across the river? I mean, it was so as soon cool. as I literally. When, when the Eagles called, and what happened was my offense line coach in Indianapolis came with Rich Kotite, and he became his offense line coach. So he was like, we need Baldy, man. He can play every position, blah, blah. You know, he, he's smart. You know, he's a, he's a solid veteran. He can help us out. So I came to Philly, and literally, Vince, I went straight to Cherry Hill and rented an apartment in Cherry Hill. Like, I knew I knew the city. I knew Walt Whitman Bridge. I knew the vet. Like, I, I just knew my way around. And yeah. so I still had friends in Cherry Hill that I grew up with, mm -hmm. that I went to St. Peter Celestine with, that stayed there. Like I had still friends in Cherry Hill. So I was like, great. I'll, I'll just, you know, Ron Heller was living in Cherry Hill. All these guys were living in Cherry Hill. Oh, we were 25 years in Cherry Hill. Yeah. 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 So, you know, like I, 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 I to me, I felt like I was right at home. Oh, that's I said, great. God bless America going over that Walton Bridge practice. Yeah. Day. That's the truth. Yeah. Like it was, it, it was, a, it was, Honestly, I and that team was really good in 1992, Reggie, and, you know, we were good. We were a good team. Um, we, we won a playoff game in New Orleans. I was just, I, I ended up starting, like, after the sixth game there, and I was the left guard, and Randall and Reggie and Seth and Clyde, like, it was – we were really good. We just got beat by the Cowboys in the playoffs. But that, that was a lot of fun that year. And I was doing some string work for ESPN right about that time. And uh, then you flip right from there and, and look where you are now. You know, you're yeah. you not be an ex-football player in the broadcasting, but you go beyond, you know. I mean, how cool is that to be involved with the game still after so many years? And also to have the respect. I think that's the thing, to have the respect that you have of not only the play the coaches, but the players. You know, I'm, I'm sure a couple of guys have called you a legend. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's important, Vince. I mean, I've been, this is my 42nd year in the business, you know, since I was a rookie. 41st, 42nd year. So I, I've, I've kept it going. I love it. I still love going. I'm, 
going to see the Cowboys tomorrow in Oxnard, California. Um, I built relationships with, you know, with these young kids via Baldy's breakdowns and things like that. So Micah Parsons is out there. He, you know, he's, he tells me that he gets in a press conference and the media starts telling him that he didn't play a good game and he didn't do this. And he goes, just watch Baldy's breakdowns tomorrow. He'll tell you what I did. All right. He knows what I did. He's in communication. So it's like that around the league. Um, so it's fun and it, it respect is important. Um, but you know, I always wanted to respect the game more than anything, Vince, you know, like the game's important. I, I want to respect the game. I want the kids to respect the game. Like I want the game to be healthy. We've all had to make physical changes, you know, so that the game could survive. So to me, it's all about the game. And so it's not really about me. I'm just a conduit. But I want the game to be the most important thing. And when players play the game the right way, like they get my attention. Mm-hmm. So I think you had like what, about a year be- like in between when you ended and then you decided to go into broadcasting. And I know that with a lot of professional athletes, though, they kind of have this period of, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I do know a lot of them try to go into broadcasting and it's not very good. Not everybody's meant for it. Um, but obviously you were, but you know, what was kind of that ticking point for you that was like, okay, you know what, this is the direction I'm going to go and I'm going to throw my all into it because football was no longer on the table. It's I'm glad you asked that Gabby. So my last year in Philly, uh, Craig James, who was at ESPN at the time, and he was like their college football, you know, wonder boy, you know, like he was everywhere on ESPN. Um, and so he started this broadcast school in Dallas and he opened it up to just current players. So oh. me, Mike Golick, Merrill Hodge, we all went. There was like 10 or 12 of us. And it was a week-long kind of an academy thing. And I knew right then, Gabby, honestly, we got good instruction. There were a lot of really good teachers. I knew then exactly what I was going to do. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. But I knew, like, what I had to do. I started my own radio show. I, I did the Eagles pregame show at WIP. Like, I just – I took a year – to try to get it out of my system. I got cut by Arizona. You know, there's some, I, I tried to play. I had an injury, it just wasn't healing. So it took me a year to get it completely out of my system. And then once I did that, like, I didn't really care about the money. You know, I, I did, I sent, you know, letters to all these universities saying, I want to be a part of the broadcast team. Bucknell University said, we'd love to have you $50 a game. We're in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Come on. Yeah. So I got the job. They taped the games. I'd listen to the tape on the way home. You know, I'm not very good. My speech is like a little. So I got help with the speech. And, you know, I I started teaching broadcasting or or communications with this communications company. They kind of taught me the the finer points communication. I taught communication to corporations. That helped reinforce a lot of principles about communication, message mapping, and all this stuff. So I did that for three years and, you know, supplemented it with, you know, Comcast started up Vince in Philly and started working at Comcast. And, yeah. and, you know, Fox had this league over in Europe, NFL Europe. That's how I met Finner. And they sent me to Europe to do games. And, you know, it was a slow build. But literally, by the time I got to my third year, I was doing NFL games at Fox. And I, like, I kind of, like, made my entry into this whole industry. Do you ever have guys that come to you still, like, to try and help them and mentor them into getting into that next phase of their career? I'll do it, Gabby. I will do it. I'll help anybody. Yeah. If they're proactive. Yeah. If they're just saying, give me a job, help me out, hook me up. Like if I hear that, I'm not that interested. 
Yeah. But if I see a kid like Barrett Brooks, who's in Philly now, he's at Comcast. Barrett came to me when he got done playing with the Steelers, and he's like, I want to get in your business. So I said, well, come over to NFL Films. Me and Sterling Sharp do this show called Playbook. You come. We'll, we'll bring you to the studio. We'll show you how we put a show together, Barrett. We'll help you out. We'll do some things. And so when I see guys like Barrett, and there's like 20 other people, girls and guys, when I see how if they're really interested, that they really want to put the work in, I'll do everything I can for them. So I probably have, I don't know, 20 or 25 people, you know, that have come to me and we've helped them out and brought them over to my house, brought them over to NFL Films, introduced them to certain people, written letters of recommendation, whatever. You know, I'll help, you know, that next next wave of people for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of guys out there that just, or you girls that just, you know, I want your job. I'm like, all right, great. They want handouts yeah. too. You know, yeah, hook me up. When I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that's not how it works. Well, there's a, there's a little bit of a change too on, you know, what you're expected of and what people are expecting of you. You know, the bar has been set too low, but we won't get into that. And I know you had a couple of years with our boy Jaws, you know, so that's how he... He's the best boy. Nobody better best than best There's nobody like Jaws. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. Nobody. But he learned from Dick. Yeah. You know? and so, oh, Coach. I think we all learned from Dick. Well, I mean, I think, you know, one thing, I was just actually telling a story today. Tony Richardson, who played for Dick in, in uh, Kansas City, he's a fullback. We were telling Vermeil stories today. And <laughs> one thing about Dick, as you know, and Gabby knows, like his ability to just maintain relationships throughout his life is unparalleled. And that's what Jaws teaches everybody. It's all relationships. So, you know, he has this golf outing, you know, and 39 years of doing this stuff now, with the, whether it's the sponsors or volunteers, people follow Jaws because like he just knows how to let people know how much he appreciates their help or who they are. And, you know, he just, mm -hmm. Jaws was great at what he did, but the way he treated people, the cameraman, the, the makeup person, whatever, like he treated people so well. And that's why they all respected him. And and he learned all that from Dick. Well, the respect I have for you, too. When I saw you last, of course, down in Fort Lauderdale with Kenny Dunnick's Miami man thing. And when you walked in, it was like, oh, my, my name is Brian Baldinger. And it, it, you weren't waiting for anybody to come up to you. You went and you just walked and you just waded into the crowd like it was a big wave. And, you know, the, the great. Uh, just one thing about Dick Vermeil. Every time, and I, I owe a lot to Coach Vermeil, as you might might know. Sure. Every conversation I have with Dick Vermeil is the same one I have with Gabriella, with Vinny, and with Janet. And it's I love you, I love you, yeah. Coach, and he, yeah. I love you, Vince. I mean, that's just a guy. He is he is as sincere as you could possibly imagine. If you could just spend a week with him and the wealth of knowledge that you gain from him, not just from football but life, yeah. and people and wine. You know, I mean, just just what a guy. Well, um, we, we're pretty, I mean, we're, we're going way, way over time here, but I, I just, I, I did have uh, one question. Gabby, I know you have that question, but you know, with this one here. Oh yeah, your pinkies. Yeah, I, I want to see your, I want to see your pinky. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, look, it's, um, you know. I feel like it's a rite of passage. Yeah, it's, uh, it is that, Vince has one. Um, I got it caught black and Randy White in practice one day. <laughs> and uh, got it caught in his jersey. Finger got ripped out. I went off the field screaming. You know, they, they taped it together, get back in there. And But the funny part to the story, honestly, is so, you know, the defense line is checking me out, and they're like, oh, Baldy's finger just popped out. Okay. So when you came into the cafeteria, that was in morning practice. You come into the cafeteria, the defense line 
would sit in the front row and they literally would just, it wasn't necessarily hazing, but they would give everybody the business, you know? <laughs> and so when I walked down the stairs to the cafeteria that day, the whole defense line in unison, they all stood up and they all just started like, wah, 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 wah. They all just started crying, right? Like imitating me on the field. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like, I feel like a schmuck, you know, whatever. And then, and then together, like almost together, Randy White, Two Tall Jones, like John Dutton, they all held up their hands and they all have bent fingers. And they all just said like this, welcome to the club. Yeah. Like, you're this is that great. Yeah. You're all one of us now. So I like to that day, I'm like, okay, this is my badge of courage. Oh, my yeah. badge of honor right here. I'm, I'm part of the club. They welcome me to the club. Um, so yes, people, you know, they, they want pictures with that. There's websites out there, Gabby, with Baldi's Pinky. Like, I don't shy away from it. Oh, yeah. I bet people pay good money for that, too. I bet. I bet. Hey, well, look, I've I've got one last thing, because I want you to give a breakdown, you know, because, uh, you know, we were dreamers back then. Gabrielle's dreamer and, and all of us, you know, Vinny and, and we bought Janet, you know, from hers. And, you know, she wore that USA jersey as a gymnast. Yep. And uh, one of my favorite quotes about dreams is, happier those who dream dreams that are willing to pay the price to make their dreams come true. And there's too many people out there that are using, Gabby, you heard this in what we in church the other day, the butt, the butt factor, not the T, the double T butt, but the butt. Oh, I could have done it, but, you know, the willingness to pay the price. Somebody comes up and they say that they're willing to pay the price to have their dream come true. What's your body breakdown for them to get them ready to have that dream come true? What would you say? Like every day that you're living your dream, somebody else is quitting on that dream. And every day that they drop out, from whatever it is, I mean, if whether whatever the, the the aspiring goal is, every day that you keep taking a step forward and progressing, somebody else is quitting. Somebody else is making an excuse. And so just the numbers are gonna favor you if you just keep plowing forward and you just keep that dream, the focus in your head every day, you're gonna get there. You're gonna get there. And all these people that are dropping out, all you're gonna do is hear those stories about the butt, like we all know, we, we all hear it. Oh, I could have made it, but we all know that. But every day that you're in it, living it, breathing it, dreaming about it, like you're getting it one step closer. Beautiful. Uh, I'm ready to run through a wall. <laughs> yeah, there you go, let's go. Come on, that, that, any, any, any things for 77 year olds? <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, you know, on, it's like, you're, you're the one that's leading us all down the road right now. <laughs> I don't know. This was so great. Yeah, Thank you, was... Brian. I mean, I know you're a busy guy and you're getting ready to go out to Dallas. I know, I know, I know, Vince. I know. I had, to, I had to turn my allegiance in when I came to Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm buddies with Drew Pearson, you know, yeah. and, you know, Emmett. Yeah, I could never think that. But uh, Gab, anything else, son? No, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Actually, wait, yes. So I saw one thing. Do you happen to know the average daily temperature in March in Mars? Uh, I did study this. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm, I mean, I don't want to share that because then I'm going to sound like a know-it-all right now, Gabby. But yes, it's, it's one of my curiosities. Curiosity it sort of directs my life. So I ask a lot of questions uh. and I'm looking for the answers. Yes, Google <laughs> gets a lot of my attention. That's pretty cute. Good job, my new That's a good one. Well, 
<laughs> You're invincible, Brian. Yeah. We appreciate you very much, man. Thank you so much, and and have a ball. We'll see you around town. I know I'll see you in Philly at some point, or down here in Florida. So, well, um, enjoy Jupiter, Vince. I I have yet to be up there, but I feel like I know half the community up in Jupiter. Well, everybody we up here. there at some you know, point. You're never going to show you a good time. All right, see I'll see everybody. Thanks, there. thanks for having me. I appreciate thanks it. Thanks again. Safe okay. travels tomorrow. See you, see everybody. See you, bud. Bye. Bye. Bye.